0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to this edition of the BreastCancer.org podcast. My name is Jamie DiPolo. I'm the senior editor at BreastCancer.org. And for this podcast during Breast Cancer Awareness Month, I'm very delighted to introduce to you a good friend of mine, a personal friend. Her name is Marie Arsenault. She's a former music promoter and booking agent, and she was first first diagnosed with stage 2 estrogen receptor positive HER2 negative breast cancer in September 2000 at the age of 36. Marie had a mastectomy with tram flap reconstruction, chemo, and radiation. In May 2007, she was diagnosed with metastatic disease. The breast cancer had returned to her liver and her bones. In 2011, the cancer spread to her bone marrow. Marie joins us today to talk about what it's like to have metastatic disease during Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and she's also excited to talk about her cats. Marie, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Oh, thank you, Jamie. Thanks for asking me very honored that you would choose
0: me. Oh, well, it's 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 great to talk to you. And for me, I can see you. I don't think our visitors are going to be able to see you. But tell me a little bit about I know you've been going through um trying some different treatments right now um for uh the metastatic disease in your bones. What uh, what treatments are you currently on? Um
1: well, this summer has been this has been May was 8 years since I was diagnosed with mets and this summer's been Pretty challenging. It's probably the I wouldn't say sickest I've been because I, I don't necessarily feel sick, but it's I, it's I have the most kind of stuff going on than I've ever had at once. Okay. I've been lucky okay. that my um, treatment's been pretty well controlled by all the different anti and endocrine therapy. But um, I was on um, tamoxifen up until May and it was actually holding things back by themselves which was pretty good. But then I got, um, started with pain in my knee and, and there was, we did an x-ray and there was a bone met there. So we did just one, in June we did one big, uh, one session of radiation to it. And it was getting better. And then I started getting a headache and we did a um, MRI on that. And it turned out I had another bone met on my skull and it was in set, an area where it was pushing down on some nerves, one of them um, optical, so I wasn't able to really uh, move my eye, and it was just causing pain. So I did 15 rounds for that, um, and then um, and then my knee was, was getting worse, so we just did another 10 <laughs> rounds for my knee. I know when I got done with, at the end of August, when I got done with the skull, then we did 10 rounds for the knee. So I'm done with that. But um, I actually uh, did all of my scans on Friday, and it turns out my back aches from another bone lesion on my lower, my lumbar, lower lumbar area, which I had treated a couple of years ago. Probably It's in the same area, could be the same one. Mm-hmm. So one day I'm getting um, radiation to that, but only one round. Okay. So, um, it's yeah. First, I've never really had problems with FOMETs. I had them, but they were small and they went away. You know, the chemo killed them. So this has been challenging. Um, just having my, just not being able to get around, not being mobile, sure. first for me. And, and doing all of this, I still have to be on you know some drug to control the um, the rest of the cancer systematically. And I was on. Um, we were trying eye which is a new drug that was just FDA-approved with a lot of great results, but my platelets are low, and we just could not get my platelets up high enough for me to give the Ibrant a really good try. I'd be on it for two weeks, and they would, my platelets would drop down to, like, to 25. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was, it was getting really low. So, um, and then um, I had this CAT scan on fr- last Friday We could go. Last one I had was in June, and there's just a lot of things have changed that weren't even in there in June. Um, so um, now it's just becoming, you know, it's, it's, we have to treat it quickly and effectively. You know, we can't, um, all the different endocrine therapies, they always take longer to work, but I don't, I can't do that right now. So we're gonna do a Braxane starting Monday. I haven't been on a key uh, IV chemo in a while, so, but I did do this one once, and I don't remember having a lot of trouble with it. So,
0: okay, okay. so it's been
1: yeah. So that's basically what's going on now, which is actually more activity in the past. You know, less than six months, and I've had you know four years in a row sometimes. Sure. You know.
0: Sure. Yeah. Well, I uh, wish you all the best with the abrexin. I know that can be uh, that can be sometimes tough for people. Other people tolerate it better than others so it sounds yeah. like you did in the past so hopefully that'll go well hoping because that you know i mean the drugs i've been on i've been able to tolerate
1: um there's the load i was on and that's a chemo but it's an oral and you know, i was on that for over three years with calisthenics and having trouble so okay okay but premier this time isn't working at all because i was on premier with the and it's hardly holding things back so okay okay so,
0: you almost need a binder to keep track of everything.
1: Oh, it's just a mess. It's, yeah, <laughs> I have spreadsheets and, um, you know, and then every, yeah, it's just, it's a lot of information to, to try to go through and figure out. And then when you have multiple things going on, it's kind of becomes what's most important. What do I treat first? Right. And you're always kind of wondering if you're doing the right thing. You know when tamoxifen was doing so well, so we kind of rode it as long as we could. But I can't help with thinking, maybe if we got off it sooner, I could have got on Ibrance sooner, and maybe this all wouldn't be happening. But maybe again, maybe it would. You
0: right. know, right? You can't. Yeah, I know that that tendency to second guess yourself. It's yeah. it's very tempting, but it's you never you don't know,
1: and the doctors you don't always know. That. We until they until we try it,
0: they right. don't know how it's going to work. Right. Right, right. Especially for new things. Yeah. And
1: everyone every patient reacts differently. So
0: Right. The drug. So it's yeah. Everybody has an individualized response. Now I'm I'm curious, when you were first diagnosed, um, did your doctor at that time talk to you about recurrence and a I, risk of recurrence?
1: Um well when I I was originally treated in Nashville mm-hmm. and um and I moved here in 2003. I picked, I got a doctor at Sightman2, at the time just to check in with once a year. So I knew of, I knew of metast- you know, that they could, it, it could, it um, could spread, mm-hmm. and that was always my fear in the back of my head. But the further out I got, you know, then they were saying, you know, five years, it's not likely to come back. Seven years, it's not likely to come back. The mine came back in seven years. Um, and then what I found out after. That after came back doing research, trying to connect with other women who had it. That's not uncommon at all for it to come back. Many in that in that time in that time period. But some women have come back ten years later, twenty years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think the thing I wasn't aware of is that once you have breast cancer, you're not really ever cured because if it comes back, you're right where um, there is no cure. So you know, then we all become in the same boat. So pet peeve of mine is when people come on, you know, T V or whatever and say I they're cured. Mm-hmm. Because until they die of something else. They don't know. Right. Don't, right. Um,
0: well that's kind of a good into um breast cancer awareness month. Um, talk to me a little bit about what it's like to be someone with metastatic disease during breast cancer awareness month because you do see a lot of people sort of being very happy about being quote unquote cured and, you know, pink power and lots of pink things. And, and just what's your personal take on that?
1: um, It always kind of confused me because, you know, like I was in Florida visiting a friend a couple of years ago and we were in the grocery store and it was October and there was this huge cake, breast cancer awareness cake um, with all the ribbons and it was pink and all that, and so they're staring at, standing there looking at it, going, well, "What are we celebrating? You know, are we celebrating that, uh, you know, you know, somebody has breast cancer? Are we celebrating that they don't have it? Are we celebrating that they had it and they don't anymore? You know, are we celebrating that um, they've never had it? I don't I just I just look and I'm like." It's <clears throat> it doesn't make any sense to me. I think there was a time when breast cancer really needed awareness because it was still very taboo. Mm-hmm. A lot of people wouldn't talk about it. And I think, um, you know, Coleman, who was kind of initially behind this, and it's gone way beyond that, you know, every um, I think that was something that was needed. But I think everybody is aware of what breast cancer is now. And I think that the money doesn't need to go to awareness. The money needs to go to research because we still don't have a cure. Mm-hmm. And you know, Susan Coleman died of metastatic breast cancer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if we're not, if the organization isn't honoring her by trying to find a cure, I don't know what they're doing. Because um, obviously, early detection helps your odds, but it doesn't. Um, it doesn't necessarily change anything. You could be. You know, we have stage one, not even need a mastectomy or anything. They can still come back, and it does. You mm-hmm. know, so not, and I'm not a um, a pessimistic person. You know, I I believe. You know, I have hope. That's why we keep doing this. Mm-hmm. But I'm a, but I am pragmatic, and you have to you know what the numbers are. You have to. I, mean, I think you, you need knowledge to be able to fight this, um, and um, and we need money. For research.
0: Definitely. And and you mentioned some of the pink products um, it, from, and this is just me personally, sometimes I see things and to me they're pink and they don't make sense. Like they don't like, make sense. I mean, pink, anybody, pink drill bits or, you know, pink wine when we know that alcohol consumption in excess can be a risk factor. So I, I some of the things I just don't get. No, I don't
1: either. I mean, anybody can put a pink ribbon on the package on their, and say, and they don't say anything. Yeah, People just, people just assume with the pink ribbon, that means it's going somewhere. Mm-hmm. And um, it may not be a lot of cases it doesn't. And when the money does go somewhere, it's not that much. And you really um, start adding it up.
0: Yeah. Do you, do you feel during Breast Cancer Awareness Month, do you feel part of it? Do you feel excluded? What? what do you feel during october i don't
1: feel part of it and, and i've never attempted to be part of it um it just it just it's not breast cancer isn't a happy thing and people they, you know they kind of make it this big celebratory thing and um and i think it's great that they're raising money but i i don't know um i mean i've heard stories about women who you know, at these big breast cancer runs, you get color ribbon for how many years you, you've survived. Mm-hmm. So you're five years out, you get a one color ribbon. But there wasn't any color ribbon at the first for metastatic. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that turned off a lot of women. Though there is now, I don't know. I think they get purple now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's you know it and then when women metastatic women wanted to speak at these rallies they weren't invited to speak they just wanted just positive stories right and and it's you know the reality is you know women are dying and and that number hasn't really changed that much we're definitely living longer Mm -hmm. but um, they're still dying you know so yeah I I don't I just don't Yeah. I just never really felt part of it. It almost seems like some kind of sorority or something, you know, like, I love breast cancer. Yeah. What
0: would you, what would you tell people? I mean, because it, it, I mean, as you said, there is quite a bit of awareness about breast cancer right now, perhaps not about metastatic breast cancer. So if there were like two, three, four, whatever things, what would you want people to know about metastatic disease?
1: Well, I want to know there isn't a cure um, because I've I've actually heard people say like when you die when people even when you're diagnosed initially it's still you have to go through surgery and chemo and you know it all happens so fast um, and I've heard people say oh breast cancer that's the easy cancer or that's you know they just think that there's that it's there's a cure. I think a lot of people think there's a cure. Or like it's a one and done. You have your yeah, treatments okay. and that's it. And it's, um, and it's not like that, that at all. That is not the reality of it. And there's, there's no cure. So, um, I think that's the main thing I'd want people to know. Um, I mean, living with it, you know, is everybody has their own experiences, you know, I mean, um, I definitely think there's hope. And I just in the eight years that I've been um, diagnosed, there's been so many new treatments out. Mm-hmm. So there is hope. And there's hope for a decent quality of life, too. But um, I, I'm trying to think what else I'd want them to know. I, mean, I guess it would depend who it is. If it's somebody who's just finding out they have breast cancer, mm-hmm. There's different things I would tell them. If there's somebody who just um, has breast cancer but not metastatic, I would probably not tell them a lot of things. You know, everybody has to get through this. You know, the situation, however they have to get through. And if you know, if you want to believe that it's never going to come back, yes, you're right. Mm -hmm. It, It might not. The odds are always that it won't. So odds are almost always in your favor. So. But um, I, I guess the main thing is just that we, you know, there isn't a cure and we need a cure. And, and that means money. Mm-hmm. And um, So, you know, people could get rallied and put the emphasis on curing it rather than just being aware. I think that's a lot of money that could go to make some big changes. Because there's a lot of people, a lot of uh, scientists out there doing work.
0: Hmm. Hmm. um what has helped you during your um treatments because obviously there have been a lot of different ones and yeah. different side effects I mean I and this is sort of my personal knowledge I'm pretty sure you have a pretty good um support network um I do. family friends um what what else has helped you um adapt to the to all the different treatments and side effects um I think um When I, well, I have an amazing support system
1: and I'm lucky because not everybody does. You know, my John, my husband, is fantastic. My mom, who lives in Massachusetts, comes out and will stay with two or three weeks at a time Mm -hmm. when I, Um, and she's been out a lot this summer, really helping. And then, you know, friends, just just anybody you know who's out there thinking about you, that gives you just a little, it's just a nice... Because you do spend a lot of time by yourself when you're going to different treatments. You know, you can't be in crowds. You know, right now it's mobility. So um, sometimes you feel like you're... I call myself the girl in the bubble, you know. <laughs> it's like I'm in the bubble in Arson Land. Um, so it's nice just having people reach out to you, just even just via email or Facebook or whatever. I mean, I feel. I feel... Um, I'm still connected. Okay. And I, I did have this wonderful support group here, which is really hard to get a metastatic support group. I've been in ones that were um, just any kind of cancer, but I had one that was um, all women, most of them were younger than me, but um, and it, there's a young woman breast cancer program at Siteman, mostly it's women on their initial diagnosis. but. Through that, we kind of started meeting, and um, we'd meet about once a month, maybe a month and a half, and um, it was fantastic, but, you know, everybody died. Mm. One other person, Minnie and I are the only ones left, and, um, you know, I've learned so much from those women. Um, My friend Stephanie was 10 years, she was diagnosed in her late 20s. And she lived 10 years with um, a really aggressive cancer. And I learned a lot from her. I learned about being my own advocate, um, <clears throat> about doing my own research, about looking up for studies. Um, she would change doctors all the time. If they she did not think they were doing what she needed them to do, then she was out of there. Um, I'm going to apologize for the hiccups. That's, That's from that's from the head yeah, radiation. Ever since then, I keep getting bigger. <laughs> well,
0: I guess there are worse side effects you could have, right? <laughs> nope. I'm not afternoon drinking. I just. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, been hard. So tell I, me a little bit. I I know as you said, you are a you are a positive person, pragmatic but positive. And I know you still do volunteer work um, with with at a cat rescue. Um, is that helped does that help kind of keep you up and in a good mood and you know let you focus on something outside of you just getting
1: out of the house i I volunteer at the at the uh, storefront one day a week from 11 to 5 30 and just getting out of the house and just having some i know i'm going to go every week and i work work with the same group of women who have been wonderful too and supportive. um yeah, I really look forward to it. It Means a lot to me, and I haven't been able to go the last few weeks. <coughs> excuse me, <laughs> um, I was hoping that wouldn't happen.
0: <laughs> that's okay. <coughs> and I should uh, tell folks who don't know that's uh, Marie lives in St. Louis, so she volunteers at the Tenth Life Animal, or excuse me, Tenth Life Cat Rescue, which is um, that takes in homeless cats and then uh, finds new homes for them. Is that right? Yes. No? took them from
1: the streets and from uh other shelters the municipal shelters um most of our cats are fostered out we only have um about maybe uh 15 cats in the storefront <coughs> excuse me and no, the rest of the cats are, are um foster we have a really good foster network that's so things like that make me feel like um I'm, doing something, because I've been on disability for at least five, or six years now, and um, and it's, I don't mind not working at all, or, mm-hmm. but it, it, you do, it's nice to feel useful, like I'm doing something to, to give back, you know, mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. so yeah, right. That's
0: great, that's great. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about? I mean, that's pretty much all all my questions. Um, I I want to thank you again so much for taking the time out of your day to talk with us today and um, um, wish you all the success starting on Monday with the Abraxane. Yeah, thank you very much.
1: I'm feeling good about it.
0: Great. Again, we've been talking to Marie Arsenault, uh, a good friend of mine, metastatic breast breastcaster patient, and all-around great cat mom. Thanks again, Marie. <laughs> Thank you.